and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. You are about to hear a long-form conversation regarding vinyl between Benjamin of Ligature Marks and myself. Originally, we had scheduled this as a YouTube video, but as the conversation went long and was quite spectacular, we chose to in turn make it into the podcast or the podcast as it were. I would have thanked, uh, thank you for taking a listen. I appreciate that. It is, as I record this, it is Sunday afternoon. Hopefully my voice sounds delightfully silky smooth to you as I am recording through a brand new microphone. Uh, I have gotten good responses so far across the world. That is in two continents. But um, I forgot to announce that we were going to play the sing- Ligature Marks' new single at the end of the album. Or, the end of the album at the end of the cast so after the the podcast is over i will be playing noise in the signal hope you enjoy it and check you out next time thanks and hello it is nick cameron of glacially musical this is either vinyloscopy live on tape or the glacially musical podcast we don't know yet we'll figure it out as time goes on so today i am joined by benjamin charles of ligature marks how are you doing today benjamin i'm really good man how are you I am good. Actually, I didn't even ask you how I should address you. Is Benjamin good? Uh, ben, Benjamin, whatever works. Okay. We had a goalie that we loved in uh, back way back in the day for our minor league team. We called him Big Benny Bear. <laughs> My mom calls me Benny Bear. so that uh, But his name was Benoit T-Bear. So, I mean, it kind of made more sense. All right. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You don't normally get to reference uh, 20-year-old minor league nicknames that nobody else knew. So oh, That's amazing. So you played ball? I'm sorry. You played ball? No, I played a little bit of hockey. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't. Hockey, on, okay. I mean, that was just us making fun of guys because we, everything I like in this world gets a nickname or gets an odder name. That's just how I am. Um, my daughter became, uh, her name is Ella Jane. She became the Scrumbles right away. The Scrumbles. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is proprietary. Nobody else is allowed to call her that. Um, we just got, uh, we, I got a kitten this year. His name's Gigi. Uh, I refer to him as Gigi Mobiji. Was that after uh, Gigi Allen? No, uh, after Gigi <laughs> the cat from the anime movie uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. In Japanese, it means old man, in case you're wondering. Excellent. But uh, then we got another cat. Her name is uh, Leia. I call her Shibubu. Shibubu. <laughs> yeah, it was after The Simpsons. Did you ever see the one where they, it was the or very early Simpsons where uh, they're having a flashback to when Marge and Homer were having Bart and homer had this idea of them staying in a one-bedroom apartment and bart sleeping in their bed and he's like it worked fine for my cousin frank and marge is like <laughs> cousin frank oh he became francine back in 75 so he joined that, that cult episode. i think his name is mother shibubu now <laughs> i think i remember that episode <laughs> so yeah so she became shibubu or boo-boo then my wife got really upset with me when she started calling that cat boo-boo oh uh... yeah <laughs> but yeah so i everything I, everything i love gets a nickname you ever watch that tv show letter kenny uh i don't watch a whole lot of television not because i'm like arrogant or so above it but because i worked in retail and customer service for so long before like we could record things uh that i just stopped you just cold turkey did on tv i had to uh, <laughs> you know when you're working nights all the time so it's I watch hockey when I could and watch movies when I can. And every once in a while, we'll, we'll stream something, but that's about it. Well, if you get time, stream that program, Letter Kenny, and then let me know if the uh, hockey references and, and uh, hockey lingo in there is accurate. <laughs> I actually saw that. Somebody on TV today saying, or on Twitter, somebody on Twitter saying, who would win the, the Canadian Civil War, Letter Kenny or uh, Trailer Park Boys? And I had no idea what Letter Kenny was. So now that you've mentioned it, I saw it on Twitter. I'm going to have to watch it. So. I'd be hard-pressed to pick a favorite between the two. You know, I'm really not a big fan of Trailer Park Boys. I, um, I really want to be. I think the, the first few seasons of Trailer Park Boys was, was where it was at. As it, as it went on, I feel like it kind of died out. Oh, that's unfortunate because I have not. I've watched like five episodes and I haven't laughed. Oh, no. Give Letter Kenny a shot and then let me know. It's not to say that I haven't <laughs> found it funny. But I found it funny, you know, in the same way when you watch something 40 times. Yep, I get you. I get you. And 
you know, I, I've tried to get people to try to explain it because like, I'm, I figure I'm missing something because everybody I know loves it. I mean, just loves it. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm missing something. That's got to be it. On paper, it's just, it, it's a hysterical idea. Canadian ex-cons and a trailer park in Nova Scotia, not even like in good. <laughs> It's. I think it's fucking great, man. Oh, we let us swear on this podcast. I wasn't even. Uh... I don't care. Okay, I just wanted to. Make I, sure. I have not really decided. So, so I, I can I can tend to clean it up pretty good if I need to. It it all depends. Usually, it all depends upon who's in the room, because my daughter has this crazy idea that I'm this famous music journalist, <laughs> and because I have a YouTube channel. Oh my god, I'm on. Daddy's on YouTube. She That's might be amazing. over it now that she's gotten a little older and knows how to use YouTube. But because of things like that, oftentimes she'll be in the room with me. And so when it's those kinds of days, I prefer to keep it, you know. Keep it clean. Unless unless the person I'm talking to is French. Because French, especially Canadian French, French Canadians saying fucking is like one of my favorite sounds. <laughs> I'm not sure I know what that sounds like. You got to give me an example. You, look, um, you need to meet some <laughs> French Canadians. Or you could watch the greatest hockey movie of all time. It is also the most depressing. It is called The Chiefs. It is okay. not Slapshot. This is a documentary on uh, a league in that's wholly exists in Quebec, where in the time when the NHL was cutting down on fighting to like 0.75 a game, the LNAH was increasing fighting to seven. That's awesome. I, uh, I've never fun. been to a pro hockey game. I have been to, uh, we have a minor team here in Portland and I have been to that a bunch and it's oh the Winterhawks. Yeah, man. It's a blast. <laughs> that is a league I have never seen. That is the Western hockey league of the major June, the Canadian major juniors. I haven't been to no major juniors. I would love to oh, come up, man. Come up. We'll go. We'll go to, a uh, I'm actually going to be in Portland probably in 2022. Let's make it happen. I'll take you to a Winterhawks game. If you're here during the season. I'll do my best. We'll see. Cause I got probably won't be during the season, but we'll figure something out. Anyway, obviously uh, we're here to talk about vinyl, but before we get into that, tell me a little bit about what you do. Look at your marks. Uh, look at your marks is a metalcore band. Um, we started about going on three years now. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've, We've uh, been trying to do as much of the grind as we can, put out put out records and put out content constantly. We've done, we are working on our seventh music video right now. Seventh, wow. Let me ask you a question. What drew you to metalcore? Because metalcore is, if you don't mind me saying, so a very divisive kind of music. What took you there? Um, I think it was just a combination of the players that were in the band. I think we all had those kind of influences. Like I was very much like a new metal kid growing up. I was listening to to Slipknot and Corn and Mudvayne and um, our guitar player. <clears throat> uh, I, I, I'm only laughing because the first time I saw Slipknot, I was let me think, I was 25. Okay, that was when they were doing. I think that was their very first tour. It was on Ozfest. They were one of like the they were the third or fourth band on the second stage in 97 Ozfest. Yep, I think that was the first time I saw him too that same year. No, I guess I was 22. But I mean, I was old enough at that point in time to be disgusted by it. And like, oh, it's so stupid wearing masks and hiding your identity. Who does that? By the way, I'm going to go see Kiss next week. Did Yeah, didn't Mr. Bungle do this already? <laughs> did they? I don't even, I actually never really got into Mr. Bungle, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they did the masks and, and clown thing, I think. Okay. I was just thinking, you know, for me, it was like, I'm looking at it, looking down on this so much, but I'm like, but I love Kiss. So I don't know that I really have anywhere to stand. Anyway, sorry, continue. Uh, I, I think that was that was about it. Our, our The right the right uh, influences came together in this band. And I wouldn't say that we're strict metalcore. I mean, we have, we have elements of all kinds of stuff in our music uh, just because all of us listen to so much different shit. I mean, half of us listen to gangster rap most of the time and uh, half of us can't stand gangster rap. So what is your favorite kind of rap? Um, I, I really like the, the 90s stuff, man. I really like the, the Dr. Dre's, NWA's, Wu-Tang. Okay. I mean, that's my my personal favorite is nerd nerdcore hip hop, but that's just me. Like um, uh, RJD, no, not RJD two, uh, MC Chris, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, uh, uh, hang on, hang on, uh, and 
we have already moved into podcast territory, so we're going to call this a podcast now. Excellent. So I know nobody can see this, but. Yes. Yes. I ran a music venue for a long time, and uh, and we got a lot of the nerdcore stuff that came in. Yes. Dude, I got all of his stuff online. What's up? One. Uh, I've also got MC Lars, Mega Ran. Uh, MC Lars. That was the other one. I remember he came out. And his opening thing had a sample of a lightsaber. Yes, had a sample of a lightsaber. Like, you know, the the, the opening, oh, yeah. the, the starting of a lightsaber. And he did the motion, like the choreography to the <laughs> lightsaber, like as he started his set. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> the, 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 the really, there's two kinds of nerd. I mean, it's, it's not fair to say this, but I'm going to. There's two kinds of the nerdcore guys. They're the ones that really know how, are really good at hip hop, who are nerds. And those are the ones to pay attention to. And then there's the ones that are nerds that aren't really very good at it. Totally. But the problem with them is I love vinyl, as I mean, as you can see behind me. And most of them don't have the money to put anything out on vinyl. Yeah, vinyl's expensive, man. I've I've always wanted to do a, a press of some record that I'm a part of because I do, I do the graphic design for all of our stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so I just like the idea of, of the artwork being humongous, right? Like I love, I love vinyl in that respect. One of my first memories of looking at vinyl was Pink Floyd, the wall and opening that up and having that full giant two, two panel. You got one, you got a handy. Damn. Damn. I love, I love that. I mean, just the artwork in that, that record and the concept of having this gigantic piece of artwork to look at. Yes. That's I'm just pulling out random cup, different versions of the wall right now. I so is your record collection alphabetized or yeah. is it okay? Not by yeah, genre. That's why I can do this. <laughs> okay, I was like, man, you know that collection really well. My my record collection, the bulk of it, um, the house that I was in uh, a couple years ago flooded, and so a bunch of my vinyl got wet. Which hmm. is fucking travesty. Um, what I learned, I don't know if this is actual legal advice, so. This is now for entertainment purposes only. Okay. But um, I've only been into vinyl for about six years, but I'm up to 700. So it quickly became a thought process of, huh, what happens if there's a fire? Right. So I talked to our insurance agent and after going over and over and over it, she said, it has to be appraised, but not by you, but you don't have to pay somebody to do it. Okay. To be a part of the normal homeowner's policy. That's solid advice. what the hell does that mean? Oh, I'll put it on Discogs. Most uh, most homeowners insurance, though, I don't think covers flooding unless you have it extra. Oh, I see. Flooding isn't an issue for me because we're on. We have a two story. We have a three story home. It's a du- mm-hmm. but it's a duplex, so we're on the second and third. Oh, okay, so the vinyl's at the top. Mine, yeah, mine oh, was, third floor. <laughs> mine was in the basement, man, and uh, it didn't. The records still play fine, but a lot of the jackets were yeah. were pretty fucked up, and I have uh. I actually have that here. I have one of the original pressings of Some Girls. Oh, nice. The one that was, they they pulled it from, from shelves because they used like Lucille Ball and Marilyn Monroe on the cover and they didn't get permission. So they pulled it super quick, but it got, it got wet and fucked up in the, such a bummer. Such a bummer. <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've been pretty good about not getting much ruined, but uh, I mean, the, like some of the stuff I have, um, not that I'm a big guy about getting valuable stuff because that's just not like I collected baseball cards. I collected video games. I'm I am a completist compulsive collector of things. That's awesome, man. I, no, I it's to... not because <laughs> I hate that about myself. I have a I dining room full of action figures, dude. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. When I, I started collecting baseball cards and when it became no longer about getting my favorite player, but rather finding that rare Hank Aaron misprint, I got out of it. When, when my video game collection stopped being about having fun playing video games, I got out of it. You know, and it's all of a sudden like, wow, I've got 58 systems. Well, and, some, some collections are massive and you could just, you could literally spend your whole life. Like I know people that collect Star Wars stuff and I'm like, what, why, why do you collect Star Wars stuff? There's so much of it. Mm-hmm. I, I told myself long ago that the only thing I'm going to allow myself to collect aside from like music uh, is big trouble in little China stuff. Oh, nice. Super rare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's just, my thing is I don't want to have something just to have it. 
But everything I use has to, I have to get usage out of. So if I buy records, I can play them and listen to them. Like, that's full, why I collect the video. Full yeah. Maria Kondo on it, right? I guess. I just, <laughs> I, I'm, I've moved too many times to, you know, have things I don't use. Yeah, man. I hear you. I hear do you. you. Want, do you want to talk about some specific records today? Yeah, man. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. I, I I love doing interviews like this where there's actually subject matter as opposed to, hey, we're going to sit down and talk about yourself for however long this interview is going to go. Look, I like it can, when there's... We can do this anyway because on the Glacier Musical podcast, which, as I said, we were doing that now, it is very strange. Sometimes it's the, the vinyl stuff goes too long, if I just put it that way, because I don't think anybody wants to watch me for an hour. I listened, to, I listened to the episode with Dude from Bushido Code. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you very man. much. I didn't know if anybody actually listened to that. That yeah. one, we had an idea where we were going to talk about pets, and then we didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a great episode lined up for somebody. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but he's really going to be surprised by the line of questioning. Do uh, do the people that you're interviewing have a heads up as to what you're interviewing them about ahead of time? Or do you Sometimes. just go in? Okay. The, one, the one that doesn't know, uh, he will not be warned. That's awesome. That's so he's gonna I, get I love the concept of that podcast, man. I, I love the idea of coming in and being like, you know, we're not going to talk about like the same shit that you can hear this person talk about on 10 other podcasts. Here Thank you. Here. That's fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. And I think maybe I, it's be, because as of lately, I've done a bunch of interviews and I feel like I've answered the, the a lot of the same questions. <laughs> I, heard, I heard Trevor Stanod talking about uh, on, on a, the Dumb and Dumbest podcast with Curtis and Matt Bacon that, you know, RIP. And he talked about doing interviews and it was the same questions all the time. Do you know how many times I've been asked, how'd you come up with the band name? I've been asked that a thousand times for 10 bands that I've been in. I know. I know. And I, I won't say I've never asked that question because I have, but the idea is I'm not going to steal listeners from metal sucks. I'm not going to get Eddie trunks. People. They're not going to leave him for me. If I'm giving them the same information, just not as well. Yeah, I, I I think what you're doing is killer, dude. I, I really do. I think it's a cool concept of of well, it, talking about something off off topic than the norm. Uh, it all started because I was doing an interview with a local St. Louis band who's on a pretty good sized label, and they were pitching them to me, pitching them to me, and I said I would like to do an interview about St. Louis with them, and they said sure, that's great, and I sent it to them, and they sent it back, and the whole interview was total asshole, dick, dick nut bullshit. <laughs> I mean, just. Like, I, I mean, I'm I like, can't I can't put this out. <laughs> and I'm, I, I used to be known in this town as a local St. Louis journalist who, you know, independent wrote about St. Louis, wrote about our food, wrote about our fish fries, wrote about all that stuff. That's awesome. Man. My dad, have, my dad did a lot of that same stuff too. My dad's a journalist. So and, I've got, I'm not really a journalist per se, but you know, semi-pro. So, but I mean, I've been interviewed on NPR for these things. I have been, you know, kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, so where were you when the Blues finally won the Stanley Cup? Because it was a big deal. And he's like, fuck you. I was at band practice. <laughs> All right. So I, I emailed the, the publicist back and I'm like, hey, this, this was not taken in the spirit. It was supposed to, because it's, it's goofy. It's off the wall. My tagline is make heavy metal awkward again. And, you know, that's what I do. It's, it's, it's awkward or weird interviews that hopefully will make you laugh. And hopefully we'll make you get to know the artist. Because I think an artist will sell more records and sell more shows to somebody if they like you. Oh, of course. You have, like being relatable is one of the biggest things. And more importantly than being relatable, I think being authentic, right? Like being who you are. Exactly. And my authentic, my, my authentic self is the guy that wants to know what's your favorite hot sauce. Totally. Totally. If I was going to say my favorite hop sauce, if you're asking me now, uh, there's a oh, local sure. company importantly called Hob, H-A-B, Hob Sauce, and they're fantastic. My personal favorite is probably uh, Dave's Insanity Sauce, even though it's too hot for me to eat now. Hmm. Don't, I don't get know it. I know that one. Don't get it? Is it, just, is it just hot, no flavor? There is flavor, but the hot is, is, is way too hot. What's the, what's the pepper? It's not a pepper. It's pepper extract. Oh Jesus! From what? What? What variety? It doesn't matter. It's all the same. <laughs> oh, so it's just the capsaicin. Yeah, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, it's just capsaicin. So it's just fucking hot in a bottle. That's all. Like it's not not. If you put a dr- now you again you've got to be warmed up. But if you put a drop into like a a can of beef stew, when I say a drop, I don't mean I, I mean a drop. Bloop. It okay. is delicious. Okay. But. 
it Jay, even Jay's then insanity sauce i'm making a note of it right now so i remember to check yeah it out. it's 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 nationwide um but um so records are cool let's segue with that with the hot sauce segue um and right now we're going to talk about hot records oh i got some hot records um <laughs> this is the first one i ever got it is crowbots ep okay uh and it's kind of rare hard to come by now um when i bought it i wasn't into records i thought records were stupid and uh, hipster shit so i'm covering a show that uh kill devil hills headlining when uh crowbot was i want to say the very first opener okay and crowbot has a hot sauce by the way i've never had it but they do have one excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> um they're like you can go buy our ep from carlos at the table and i'm like give me your ep carlos he's like it's 10 bucks and i'm like i've only got five and i hate being that guy that barters but i only had five bucks and this is before everybody like could take cards on their phones. Totally. So he's like, yeah, sure. Take five bucks. It's fine. And then that's he awesome. hands me the CP and I'm like, well, that's a big fucking CD. <laughs> Cause did you know you not, what I did mean? you not have a turntable at the time? No, I did not. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with this? Um, hope it has a download card. <laughs> and what, what year was this that you got your first vinyl? 2014. So you said six years ago, yeah. No, right. it was 2014. I started getting into it in 2015. Oh, okay. But this happened in 14. Was Maybe that 13? Was that record the catalyst for uh, for starting it? Was that no. was that what's no no? no. <laughs> it it just I accidentally purchased it. Well, shit. And then you had your first vinyl. Yeah, I mean, I'm not counting all the other ones I tried back in the 80s and 90s. Totally. Oh, I feel like a lot of my record collection started as a hand-me-down. Like, I feel, I feel, you know, my mom was like, I don't have a turntable here. Take my, my record collection. And so I got a bunch of them, but they weren't really mine. I hear you. I hear you. So what was your first? What was your, the first one you remember buying? The first record that I remember walking into a store and actually purchasing um, was Tool Opiate. Because I was so, I was so blown away that the, tool actually put out a vinyl because i didn't know that vinyl was still really a thing and i bought it just as a novelty i didn't really even have a turntable then either i'm listening i just got a text about my daughter so no worries um, uh, yeah, yeah so. I, when i found out that that vinyl was still like going i um i think when i first realized that was when i was watching Shaun of the dead and when they were listening to records unironically and like not not listening to them to be like oh look we're spinning vinyl we're so old school we're so hip no right. that's just what that's just how they listen to music and then i was like wait what <laughs> people still do this yeah and obviously that was years before i got into it but ever since i've gotten back into it and you know got my own turntable and i mean i've got and i'll tell the story every chance i can but i've got a 1971 receiver a sherwood i've got a 1975 uh turntable i believe pioneer and i've got 1968 sansui speakers i did upgrade the cartridge and stylus to an ortofon on the turntable but other than that it is all classic stuff that's amazing the turntable Uh, itself is a finicky little bastard but when it's set up just right, because it, it works its way out of alignment. I don't know if that's normal, but it does it. You might have to tape a penny to the to the cartridge. Uh, not quite like that. <laughs> when it when it's on and going correctly, it's amazing. That's rad. When I uh, when my basement flooded and my my vinyl started getting kind of toast because it was sitting in moisture, um, I relocated it to my family has a recording studio out in the in the gorge. I don't know if you know much about the topography of Oregon. No, very little. I know where I know where Ted Bundy worked. Okay. There's a river that separates uh uh Portland, well Oregon and Washington, the Columbia River. And Mm -hmm. the Columbia River Gorge is on each side of that valley. And so my parents live out in the gorge. And so I relocated most of my my collection out there because all my shit in my basement got toast and we had to redo the whole basement and need a place to live. So a lot of my vinyl lives out there. Um I don't remember where I was going with this. See, this is this is the tangent. What were we just talking about? Oh, first vinyl. First vinyl, first vinyl. Uh, so a lot of that was that rare, rare records. But I think what really got me into um, collecting vinyl was I got turntables because I decided that I wanted to be a what the, what the, what the, what DJ. <laughs> nice. 
Um, and so I started buying records thereafter, like actually actively collecting records. But a lot of it was a lot of it was hip hop. A lot of it was trip hop stuff. Um, Crystal Method Vegas is like a is like an early memory on on vinyl for me. Sweet. What now? Um, moving on because I'm bad at segues, so I got to you know break it off off the building. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm still getting used to this. I'm, uh, you know, I do everything. I've done everything by email. But um, next brother, one, and I, I'm I'm a talker. I'll talk all fucking day. So all right, then I'll just yell at you. Uh, I'm gonna make faces, and I apologize for those faces. I'm gonna get frustrated at something you said, but I'm gonna say it was something else. So if you see me getting frustrated at your face, that's what it means. I mean something else. Okay, no worries. So what is an album that you have that you never thought you would come across? So that, that's one of the questions that I got ahead of time and I was thinking about that. And um, a friend of mine who passed away uh, too early, uh, he had an incompleted record that a bunch of friends and I were working on with him, uh, oh. recording and producing. So we actually turned that into a vinyl. Very cool. Alan Park in the 19th floor. Um, it's very like Herbie Hancock rocket meets like michael jackson or prince or or that kind of you know those those were his influences and we did like the purple oh, nice. the purple gel record so that's honestly a record uh that i never thought i would own but it's not it's not a record that i even had conceived until the idea of of well i'm just gonna say you're gonna make me look like a prick so thank you for that <laughs> it wasn't intentional <laughs> oh i think it was that that <laughs> Trying to pull for the heartstrings, I get that. Uh, mine is this. Can you see that? There we go. What is that? I don't know that. Black Sabbath TYR. Oh wow! This is from the era of records that it's the hardest to come by, where primarily things were still play- pressed only in England, Japan, and Korea or Brazil wow. because they never upgraded places. So uh, wh- what year was that? Nineteen ninety. Ooh. yeah and it was really one pressing in england um my in my other podcast um the department of mental antiquities we had a gift exchange and my partner actually had it and he bought it for five pounds he said forever ago and hated it so in our gift exchange he sent it to me because I, I i was so jealous oh that's so cool because <laughs> i just thought it would be neat it's not the greatest sounding album in the world. It's not the best Black Sabbath album, but it's cool to be able to go, you know, the, my ultimate superpower, because I'm kind of a, a, a dumpy white guy, is who's not that tall. It's, it's <laughs> being able to say, I've got that on vinyl. And when somebody talks about, you know, the lost era of Black Sabbath, I go, oh yeah, I got half of those on vinyl. That's really cool, man. That's I've really also cool. got Eternal Idol, uh, which is... Eh, eh. Was that uh, stuff that was, what is it? Was it reissued digitally or on CD? Oh yeah, it was, I mean, it was done on CD, but even the CDs went out of print because they sold so poorly. Gotcha. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a weird time in Black Sabbath. <laughs> um, on, they had like five albums in a row where the only original member was Tony Iommi. Oof. <laughs> so, it wasn't as much Black Sabbath as it was what passes for Black Sabbath. Sounds like you're a, you're an actual music lover, man, which is pretty cool. Uh, only for the past shit uh, forty years. Okay, so just I a mean, little bit at the time. Uh, I remember being a Kiss fan when they still had makeup on. And so, but didn't they go makeup, no makeup, back to makeup? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, they went makeup, no makeup, makeup. Then they went after farewell tour. They went let's get some guys that look like the other guys and put them in the makeup. Right. <laughs> so, right. It's, it's it, but I, 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 I love that stupid band and I wish I didn't, but I do. Is it the theatrics <laughs> that drew you to them? Was that? The, no, was it the it's, it's the actually music? the music. Okay. But the thing about Kiss's music is they are a 30, 30, 30 band, uh, which is easier than saying 33, 33, 33. Okay. Um, a third of what they do is great. A third of what they do is filler. A third of what they do is crap. Okay. And unfortunately, that usually manifests itself on each album. Uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So uh, now there are a lot of Kiss fans that will say how everything they've done is everything they've done is gold and they'll kiss Gene Simmons' butt and call it ice cream. I'm not one of those people. But, but yes, <laughs> I, I am somebody who loves music. I got into Iron Maiden 
uh, right after Bruce Dickinson joined the band. I when okay. I was seven, <laughs> and that's you know I, I got into the Beastie Boys on their first album. I got I mean that's just that's that's super cool, man. I love uh I love it when people have eclectic blends in music when they you know can cite because like I grew up listening to everything from fucking Genesis to Michael Jackson to the Metallica Black album to Are you pulling out Genesis? Yep. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, here we go. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. For those of I'm you just, just listening gonna... to this, uh, Nick has an impressive vinyl collection right behind him at his disposal, and almost every record that I've named, he's managed to pull off that shelf. So at some point, or something I'm similar, if, I'm going to see if I can stump him at some point. <laughs> you have any battle scratch records in there? No, I don't have that. I do have Pink Floyd Pulse though. That's pretty outstanding. How many how many discs is that? Four. About five years ago, I asked a question on Twitter: How many three? How many triple albums do you have? Because I had two, and I just thought that was such an odd thing I had never heard of. I have about thirty-five now. So I've had to move on to quadruples. <laughs> what's the what's what's the biggest one? What's the biggest one that exists? It's got to be something. On how you look at it. Yeah, it's gonna be some Chicago Live, shit. Chicago Four, four albums, aptly named, I might add. Wow. Uh, where is it? Here, no, that's. Oh, I got uh, David Gilmore, Live in Pompeii, which is four. Uh, Megadeth, Warheads on Foreheads, which, but it's a greatest hits. It's not an album. Yeah, but, yeah, that's but awesome. But it's four. Again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, man. I just sorry, love sorry. artwork. I love seeing the artwork that big. You know, like I love seeing it. Not digitally, not on a screen, but something I can look through and. Oh yeah, I, there's a bunch of records that, when I had them on CD, I thought the, the the covers were stupid. Or when I had them on tape, I thought the covers were kind of pointless. Right. And then when you get them big, cassette was the worst. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, when I had I had Led Zeppelin three, on cassette, that was one of the first pieces of music I ever owned, and the cover was dumb. But when you can. Where is it? Now, where is Led Zeppelin 3? Over here. But when you can see it that big. That's amazing. You can actually see that their faces are on the cover. And then it's got the cool little spinny bit, which makes no sense, but it's there. That's still so rad. Oh, see, yeah. pe- people got creative, I think, with CDs, though, when it came to packaging and design, right? I don't know. Do you, do you know a band called Glassjaw? I don't. So Glassjaw had this cool record that came out that the disc itself looked like a vinyl right but the top cover was was the plastic see-through uh like packaging that the card the liner note card right and it looked like the arm of the turntable going okay. above the you know it's and and adam jones from tool came out with some cool stuff like when they did the goggles the glasses inside the cd case the thing about see i don't like packaging where it gets wacky like interactive packaging yeah i, I just <sighs> <laughs> i'm old and i want things to be able to be put away and like when ace fraley came back with his first solo album in like 25 years or some stupid shit it he's like look you can turn the cd case into a pyramid why do i want to do that what you've done is made it harder to get your cd out of the case while i'm driving <laughs> You put an obstacle in the way of me listening to your music. <laughs> Correct. And like when the Simpsons started coming out with DVDs and they were like in these goofy cases and I'm like, that doesn't fit on the shelf. Where is this going? So what if it's uniform, but still interactive? Then you still have a problem with it? If it's uniform and still interactive, that's fine. But I mean, how often does that happen? Hmm. Not often. The Glassjaw CD was, was uniform. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I remember uh, Anima from Tool. That was uniform. Yeah, but I don't like Tool, so everything they do sucks. Oh man, you hurt my. Heart. I'm sorry, and I've even seen. Them <laughs> I've even seen them live, and that was another thing. Saw them at Ozfest, and I remember they were playing, and the whole crowd is like, it's like they're on this amazing, you know, metaphysical wavelength with Tool, and I'm like, how do you get there? Drugs. Well, okay, well, I wasn't on it. I didn't even drink then. So, but moving forward, um, what is the next thing I said? I don't remember. It's written down over there. Oh, let's see. 
what is the album that most describes your music? Now, personally, I don't have music because I failed at being a failed musician. So you failed at being a failed musician. Wouldn't that yeah, I wasn't good enough. To, mu- I, I didn't <laughs> get deep enough in to be a failed musician. So I failed at failing. Okay. Okay. So. I've done that a few times with a few different things in my life. <laughs> I think for me, what it is, is it's the fact that I will never be good enough to be able to play the music that I love. But I just get so discouraged that I don't really try too hard. That, man, that makes perfect sense. Because I'm never, I'm never going to be able to riff like Dave Mustaine or solo like Steve Vai, and that's the kind of stuff I like to listen to. Okay. So it's like, wow, I can jangle out some open chords, I can play some power chords, and you know, do a little blues solo, and you know, that's that's fine for what I need it for, which is nothing. But <laughs> so when people say, "Oh, you're a musician," I'm like, "No, I'm a guitar owner." That's that's a good way to look at it. I'm gonna start referring to myself as a microphone owner. <laughs> <laughs> but the muse, the the album that probably most defines my musical taste would be this: Lulu, Metallica, and Lou Reed. Lulu. Whoa! I don't know if I've ever heard that. Um, most it's universally reviled. Personally, I think it's the best thing Metallica ever did. Okay. It's mm-hmm. profane, awful disgusting loose it's everything that metallica is not okay but the metallica's albums and releases that i've loved the most prior to this were their cover albums where they didn't go into the studio and work for 15 hours a day to get it right they went in banged it out and said that's good enough let's go something to be said about that and i prefer metallica sounding that way rather than the machine-like precision that we've gotten on our, on most of their other studio albums. This is a double album recorded in 10 days. Wow. So think about it. It's not going to be real tight. Yeah, it's still pretty cool, though. A little snapshot in time. Exactly. And that's what I like about it. It's I like the oddball records by, by bands. Uh, a friend of mine has routinely made fun of me for that, but it, I am who I am. Man, but it's something different, you know? Like, you can get the other stuff anywhere. It's exactly. It's finding those little little gems that are outstanding the bootleg live shows that kind of shit i love that shit too yeah i've got uh down here i've got two roger waters bootleg shows uh i've got oh i've got a metallica bootleg show uh three days before cliff burton died and james couldn't even play guitar because he had broken his wrist so his roadie was playing guitar and that out that concert is just chaos that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, even when Metallica used to get so drunk, when they would drink a case of beer before going on stage, their shows were never chaotic. They were this still tight. Just chaos. That's amazing. How was the drumming? It was Lars, and he was drunk. <laughs> you take that how you like. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, I think the record that I have that probably like most represents our style of music, like ligature mark style, um, is probably Slipknot Iowa. Uh, that's probably the one that's closest to us, kind of. Now, what? How would you just? I'm as we discussed earlier. I'm not a Slipknot fan. Um, I, I think that I was just not in the place that I could even consider them. But I've heard them, of course. How would you describe their music? Um, chaotic. I think it's a. I think that they managed to squeeze a pretty tight sound out for having nine people trying to play shit at the same time. There is a lot to be said about that. I think the theatrics are probably what drew me to the band initially. The first time I listened to them, I remember I saw them. Um, I was. It wasn't the first time I saw them wasn't at Ozfest, but it was in that same era, and I saw them at a little club in Portland called the Roseland Theater. And it, the theatrics what blew me away. Like I just them coming on stage terrified the shit out of me, and I was like, okay, okay, I get this. How old were you at the time? I was probably fifteen or sixteen. Okay, so you were a little. You're a little younger than me. I can remember as a small child. I mean, I, I everything I think of is small, but I can remember being like worried that the Beastie Boys actually killed people. i can remember i mean they were pretty convincing to a 12 year old at the time i I see now that it was a lot more tongue-in-cheek but i mean i was worried that listening to motley Crue was going to send me to hell yep Uh, you know and 
But that's the when, feeling they wanted to invoke, right? I mean, that was the whole... Oh, yeah. And I can remember listening to Black Sabbath Live Evil with Dio and him saying, no, I want to burn in hell with all of you. And I'm like, oh, shit. Am I going to hell for listening to this? <laughs> when you get that feeling from an artist, you are you can't give it up. 100%. 100%. It gets in you, man. It's like a, it's like almost like a traumatizing event that happens. You see it. And it's just like that image is, is ingrained in your head forever. And it, it's something that you're only going to get a few times, if even more than once. True story. Excuse me. I'm burpy. No worries. No worries at all. Well, the microphone uh, does sound good, though. I mean, I'm sorry. The new one you got? Yeah. That's awesome, man. I feel so professional because I've got a microphone in front of me and it's got a spit guard, but I'm nowhere near the spit guard. So I don't know if I need it. It, it sounds, it sounds crystal clear on my end, man, from where I'm sitting. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I need uh, affirmation. So this, uh, like I said, that your, your whole podcast concept is fantastic. I think, it's, I, I think it's awesome interviewing bands about shit that keeps them on their toes more so than just like, Hey, can you repeat that same answer that you just gave yesterday? The greatest compliment i ever got from an interview i used to do instagram lives before um during you know during the pandemic i started trying to figure out more ways to do content more stuff like that and now that now i'm just trying to do more modern ways of getting content out which is like you know podcasts and videos but and i did a live with francis uh francis of uh francis roberts of king gorm and when we finished i said okay we've only got a minute is there anything you need to say and he just said, I didn't expect any question you asked me. <laughs> that's a great fucking compliment, man. I think that's I know. awesome. And that's, that's how I want it to be. I don't, you know, it's like, I, I, as I've mentioned, I love hockey, love it to death. And, well, you know what I hate? I hate player interviews. Oh, yeah. They scored more points this time. And next time we're going to make sure that they don't score that many points. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I get you 100%. No, it's you, you here. That's that's the post game loss interview. Okay. There's also the I just joined the team interview, which is I'm just, you know, I'm really happy to be with this club. It's a great hockey club, great tradition. Uh, I'm really excited to learning from insert team's big star here. And I'm going to work hard with insert the captain's name here. Do they, have a t- do they have a team PR guy that just hand them, hands them the note card before they go out there? And no, I think through. they have a, I think they have a hockey God PR guy. <laughs> Cause this is every team, every league, they do the exact same every time. And Somebody like, started okay, that fucking trend. <laughs> it's been going on for at least 30 years in the time I've been watching. So, and I presume it didn't start in 1987. Just by um, I'm sorry. We're really getting weird here. Um, <laughs> What's the next record we're going to talk about? The next record we're going to talk about. Um, well, I got to tell you the story behind the Slipknot Iowa record. So, oh, I'm sorry. No worries. So this is this is the record that probably closest resembles um, my musical taste. That's in my well, not my musical taste, but probably the music that I play. Because um, like like I said earlier, man, I listen to everything from fucking hip hop to to uh, Fleetwood Mac. Rumors is probably one of my most spun records that's in my collection. Oh, he's going for it. Trying to remember if it's over here or over there. Oh, it's over there. I don't I can't go uh but this record um I actually got in New York at the Disaster Pieces premiere. Uh when Slipknot put out their DVD. I got this at the Hammerstein Ball, and that's a fantastic record. Uh, Sorry, you've but- mentioned NWA so many times. This is as close as I've got. Uh it's it's a great West Coast gangster rap starter kit plus two parliament songs. That's amazing. Uh, sorry, no worries. Slip, slip, not Iowa, man. It was actually given to me by Paul Gray. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I don't have anything that that's that's that cool. Um, Coincidentally, in the same the same city at the same time. uh, I've got a copy. I've got a few albums. I got one album that I bought from uh, my buddy, who's the rhythm guitar player in the band. That's awesome, man. (laughs) I've I've actually been pretty lucky in the past. well, this past Friday, um, my, a friend of mine announced that his band, and I've been a fan of his music for far longer than we've been friends, but he announced that his new album is going to be on vinyl. So, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of everybody that gets to press a vinyl, man. I feel like we don't put out enough songs at a, one given moment to justify. We could probably press a 45. Or maybe See, we and that's, a uh, honestly, I, I'm going to tell you right now, thank you for not doing that. Um, 
I used to do a lot of like vinyl reviews where it was, you know, reviews of the record and the vinyl packaging and the vinyl presentation. Um, the pandemic kind of put a quash on it because I felt bad at even asking for them. Right. But, um, and most of the, most of the EPs I have, that's how I have them. Is on 45? No, just, I got them from promos. Oh, gotcha. Because the thing is, is it costs us, I mean, I, I've looked into pressing albums for friends and it costs the same to press a 12 inch 45 as it does to press a 12 inch 33. Oh, shit. So why, why do there, you know, people, this is going to get bigger and bigger as I get, get deeper into this, but you know, people ask me, you know, I only, cause I only buy vinyl. I don't buy anything else. That's my personal choice. And people say, well, don't you get upset about what you're missing? Well, yeah, but I accept that I can't buy everything in the world anyway. Do you stream? Nope. Never? Never. What do you do in the car? Uh, I listen to podcasts typically. Okay. What do, uh, I do listen- what do you do in the shower? Uh, I'm not going to discuss that. I think that's <laughs> private. Um, I, I will. I've got like MP3s that I listen to at work in my in my ear pet in my earphones, but that's just for for time passing. That's not for like listening. Okay. So I mean, that's just that's just me. And when it comes to EPs, most EPs cost twenty five, thirty dollars, just like a regular vinyl would, like a full album. And I'm like, well. I could buy your 20 minutes or I could buy this other guy's 50. Good point. So I move on to the, I, I move on to the full album. That's just. Vinyl is much, much sexier, man. I mean, hands down. It just really is the whole, the whole presentation and going to the cliche that vinyl sounds better. Vinyl fucking sounds better. It really does. It's, it, it's you know, better subjective, but yes, it sounds better. I, um, record fuzz. It, like when you drop a needle and you hear that, that little but, crackle. I love that. I, I do too, but once you get it on the turn, once it goes into the grooves, you should hear no scratches. Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, it's the it's the it's almost like when the lights go out at a concert, right? And the lights exactly. go out, and you know the band's taking the stage. It's like the same oh, thing yeah. when you drop the needle on a vinyl, and you hear that crackle, and you're like, "Oh, it's gonna fucking start!" <laughs> exactly. I in in the year that I've been living inside my house, <laughs> uh, I, I've been trying to be better and learning more about records, and that was why I upgraded. One of the things I learned was 90% of your, your sound is going to come out of your needle and your cartridge. Yep. So that was why I upgraded that. And I've always used uh, M44 sevens. Like since I, when I, when I first got into turntabling, uh, which I don't do anymore. I wish I did, but um, uh, sure. M44 seven cartridge was always my go-to because a good scratch, I've, but it also had excellent Excellent I don't ability. scratch, so I, I I almost bought an Ortofon for scratching until I looked it up a little bit closer. Because, you know, Amazon, if you search things, they won't tell you, oh, I don't have this thing. I've got this thing that's close, but they don't like, tell you that it's the close thing and not the actual thing. Right. <laughs> so I almost bought a scratching needle, which takes, you need five grams of force on a scratching needle. My turntable doesn't do five grams of force. Right. That's why you got to use the penny. I would I would have used my Mexican dime, but that's besides the point. Because Mexican <laughs> dime's only a half gram. But it's and I mean that's I, I've just been trying to get more and more knowledgeable and better at it. And this year I started cleaning my records for the first time. So all of a sudden these things I got for a quarter at the thrift shop. When I put it through the cleaner, there's no, there's no, there's no noise. You can find some gems at thrift stores, man. No, That's... I cannot. Not here. Not here. No, uh, Portland. For some reason, you still can, even though like we're a real hipster town. Like you can still, uh, you can still find some, some good ones. I think my copy of Black Sabbath Eternal Idol was purchased from Goodwill of Portland. Okay. They charged me sixteen dollars. Do you come to Portland a lot? No, I got it online. Ah. There are Goodwills that will sell. When there are some Goodwills, I know of two, one in Portland or Oregon, I don't remember, and one in Wisconsin, I got a Guar Hello from Goodwill on eBay. That's a good find. <laughs> yeah, not on vinyl, unfortunately. Oh, oh, I was like, huh. But the CD costs 50 bucks, so yeah, it's out of print. And with Odor- Odorous being gone, I don't think anything's going to happen. But I got uh, Black Sabbath Eternal Idol because I guess somebody donated it. And they looked at that and went, oh, this is way more than a quarter. That's amazing. So they sold it online on Discogs. 
But they also they did sell it for half market value, so I'm not complaining. Scoring, scoring again. But here we have record stores in this area that have existed for 40 plus years. Yeah, those are the places that have the secret basements that you can go hunting in. They're never shown me those, but I'm scared of them. So you just gotta ask them. I'm not gonna just bring a little thing of holy water and a crucifix down there with you and we have uh, vintage vinyl which is from vintage vinyl in both the record exchanger uh go back to the 70s wow mm-hmm. and they they survived they survived the last year they've oh yeah oh those places aren't going anywhere that's amazing then i mean i think all of our record stores have i went to one of the newer ones the record space uh the thing about that one is, and let me see if you can understand without me saying it, they are a tiny little store and they have the best metal selection I've ever seen. That's amazing. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? Mm-hmm. They have a tiny, they're a tiny little record store with the biggest metal collection you've ever the seen. Best metal collection. The best metal collection mm-hmm. you've ever seen. They're probably not making a lot of money. Oh, I think they are. Oh, I don't know. They're overpriced. Oh, uh, of course they are. <laughs> if you have a small collection, if you have a small selection and it's the best. Yeah, you can charge that premium. And they do. I bought, I did buy, now I, I let me say I bought uh, four of a kind Dirty Rotten Imbeciles there last week with my, with my Biden buck stimulus money. That's all I get to spend on it. And yeah, <laughs> uh, they wanted 40 bucks for it. And I decided, you know what, the hell with it. If it's still there, I'm going to buy it. Uh, I was there at a record store day and they had it to give you an idea of how long it's been. It was still there. That's amazing. And you picked it I up. went in, I grabbed it and I said, Hey, can I get a look at this? And he pulled it out and it was warped. Mm. And he says, let me put it on the turntable for you. We'll let you'll know. He's like, I got a real low riding cartridge. If there's any problems, you'll hear it. Don't worry. So we listened to uh, probably about half of one side and it sounded fine. And then he just says out of the blue, I'm going to take 10 bucks off for you score i didn't even have to ask for it so didn't ask won't say no and that was that was one of the records that i had been actually searching for for quite some time uh that album was one that meant a lot to me back in high school and now it has a home on your shelf yeah i had it on cd i had it i can't remember if i had it on cd or cassette it's been so long it was one of them (laughs) now now i got a vinyl pressing so that's and that came out in 88, which is that lost era when pressings kind of sucked. What do you think about the kids that are collecting cassettes? I know bands that are pressing cassettes. I don't know if pressing is the right word. Brands are duplicating Whatever you want to call it, I don't know. Um, I have zero interest in it. It's a weird throwback format, man. It wasn't that good. It wasn't. It, <laughs> it failed a lot. High rate of failure on those fucking cassettes. The thing about cassettes, and I mean, I've had this conversation with a lot of musicians. And one of the things I have heard frequently is musicians always sell out of them yeah and i don't understand the i don't understand the appeal i don't either and i'm fine with that um if they're buying cassettes that's more record that's more vinyl on the shelf for me so hopefully um the thing about cassettes cassettes only existed for like five years it was that short of a span pretty much i mean as the main format okay like from 85 to like 1990 that was about it in 1990 the cd became that was when we learned cds were here to stay and it was in like in 85 was when we learned cassettes were here to stay and they because not only were because cassettes were like eight tracks redux and right everybody felt taken with the original set of eight tracks so same sort of technology right just smaller i mean that's all it was similar similar technology and it was kind of like how laser DVDs were laserdisc redux, right? Laserdisc failed, but DVDs made it. Kind do of. You thing. The, do you remember the weird odd battle between uh, uh, Blu-ray and an HD, uh, HD, and HD HD DVD? Yeah, I, I remember these things, and I didn't buy a Blu-ray player or HD DVD player because I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna wait this one out. Yep, I, same. I'm glad I did. <laughs> like i don't i don't care which one i get it makes no difference to me i just want to make sure i get the one that wins so and the thing about records though that's so amazing is how long they've lasted right i mean definitely peaks and valleys when it comes to sales and stuff but uh I think, they've never gone away right 
they have never gone away and they have been a legitimate medium in for for let's see 33s came out in i think 1940ish 80 80 years that's awesome you know cd's still only exist but only just when when was vinyl at its at its uh at its peak in the 70s you know you had i mean think about it in the 70s you had uh pink floyd selling 25 million copies of dark side of the moon you had rumors selling 25 million copies you had uh, the eagles hotel california selling 25 million copies sure so Chicago was probably in that mix. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm sure Led Zeppelin had one that did that too, but I don't know which one. Probably Led Zeppelin four. You know, when you've got all these bands, you know, I'm sure maybe five percent of those sales were eight tracks, but you know, it's that that was the the major time. And then in the eighties, I remember cassettes coming out in the early eighties. I remember commercials for them and how and I remember thinking, why is the cassette five dollars more than a record? Yeah, it's weird. It's so it small. Like, I know in like 84 is when we started buying cassettes, my cousins and I. Because I remember 1984 was the last record we purchased. Do you remember the CDs and the giant packs? I was just talking to oh, yeah. my, my buddy yesterday. Ones. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. Because first it was the giant pack, and then they did the security thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on a podcast yesterday um, with a good friend of mine, and and we were literally having the same discussion about about CD packaging with uh with the giant security plastic frame and then the tall no the 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 front the the, oh no they did that on cds too but they those those uh security frames were originally on cassettes yeah i remember that too i remember that too i remember remember, we used to grab them pretend like they were robot arms (laughs) it's awesome i don't think they like that at kmart (laughs) whatever uh let's see what else do we have to talk about today uh best country record which it was a that's that was a surprising question um you know know. i don't care what anybody says there is some amazing amazing country music out there people who say that there's not are elitist cunts uh i would agree with that most of them (laughs) most of it is not made anymore but for me i chose orange blossom special Oh, it's funny. We both picked Cash. <laughs> well, I don't have a whole lot of country music that's not Johnny Cash. I got a bunch of Waylon Jennings. Of course, I bet there's some Willie in there too. Yeah, I don't have any Willie. Um, I've got some something modern somewhere. What's your okay? Like... Here's a bigger question. What is your my my country music pick was um, Johnny Cash live at Folsom. I don't care uh, if it's a live record, but go on. Oh, all right, all right. I didn't know there were so many fucking rules, man. Nobody made me a break. Look, it, the, live uh... albums are, are always called out as such. Okay, fair, fair. Sorry, I'm just. What's I'm your being, favorite? I'm being pedantic. <laughs> What's your favorite modern country record? Modern country? Yeah, I would say something that's come out in the last. Oh, five years. Uh, oh, actually, no, I I do know that. Uh, that would be same trailer, different park by Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves, good. I like her too, man. My sister lived in Austin for a bit, and so my sister got way into country music. And, we um, we were, my wife and I were on a date night, and she played on. Oh God, what was that show? Old uh, Prairie Home Companion. She was a guest on Prairie Home Companion, and she sang three songs on our drive home. And by the time I was walking out of the car, I had already ordered the record. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> And then we saw her on the Glitter Hour, Golden, Golden Hour, whatever the new album is called. I didn't like the new album. It's too pop. It's not country. It, the Her first two albums were old school country. And I have the first two on vinyl and her Christmas album on vinyl even. That's um, awesome, man. But her, Musgraves. her next album was not, it wasn't country as much as it was pop. It's kind of disappointing because that seems how it's always it always goes yeah so we saw her on that tour and we knew half the songs and left early because i checked the set list because it's you know 2020 but what uh what size rooms was she playing uh when i saw her she was playing a 5,000 seater and it was sold out we had we had to like it was and it was scalped uh the thing sold out in like 20 minutes so i had to i spent like 120 bucks on a 40 dollar seat oh wow worth it for one for one time yeah I mean, I don't think we'll see her again until she's on the way back down playing fairs. 
Gotcha. <laughs> Look, what goes up? Everybody goes up and down. Man, I worked at a music venue where that's what we got. We got bands on the way up and we got bands on the way down. And that's that's just how it was because we were that size room. We were, you know, a 600 oh, yeah. capacity room. So we got. <laughs> that's like, it's like AAA baseball, man. Yep. And that's. Man, if I was going to pick a modern country record, I would probably uh, Chris Stapleton Traveler. I don't even know who that is. Uh, I But I mean, I'm not. I like old school country, like really old school, which is why I like the first two KC records is because they were old school country. Chris Stapleton and, will give you that vibe, man. What do you think? It's, it's, he's fantastic. But I mean, most of the country music I listen to now, it it doesn't grip me. It doesn't stimulate me. It's I get nothing out of it. When I listen to Johnny Cash or Waylon Jennings, Kenny Rogers even. I got a little bit of Kenny Rogers, not much. I got a Slim Whitman record somewhere. Dolly? You got any Dolly in there? Ah. <sighs> I had a Dolly and Somebody album. I think it was a Dolly and Kenny album, and I didn't like it even a little. I got rid of it. Hmm. Um, pretty sure I got a Slim Whitman greatest hit somewhere, but I don't think I've cleaned it, so it's never been played. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my, I grew up listening to country with my parents, and I hated it, so it's hard for me to be terribly objective with it, to be honest. Fair enough. Fair it's, enough. It's, I, di- I didn't have a lot of country influence around me when I was growing up, so. It's a uh, it, it's got to it's got to be that right type of country man. It's got to be the wailing and the and the the willies and the you know I don't know real real country. I, I agree. Or Texas Roadhouse drinking country. Or you know the country that's just one step removed from blues. Hundred percent. That that blurred line is one of my favorite spots in music. I think. Well, and that's why Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings were so amazing because they weren't that far from blues. Just straight 100%. up. Hundred percent. But I will also die on this hill that nobody else will walk on with me. Um, Johnny Cash was metal. Oh, I would agree with that 100%. Okay, thank you. I'm glad somebody does. The, the music wasn't metal because it didn't exist yet. But he wrote about metal. And trained, yeah. which is cool. I would say if nothing else, he's also he's also kind of punk rock, man. I mean, he... Very anti-authoritarian. <laughs> yep. Yep, I'm with you. I'll, I'll, I'll walk that hill with you, my man. Awesome. let's see we have been talking for a bit and i know people are getting sick of my voice so tell me about your your upcoming your album that's that's, uh i'm not sure is it out or is it not is it coming out so we're working on uh an ep currently uh we'll put that out probably the end of this year um right now we just released a new single called noise in the signal and we, we got a music video coming out on tuesday so the awesome. music video for the song comes out on Tuesday. The song's available uh, everywhere, Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify. Sweet. And this will come out, this will actually post on, uh, oh God, you said coming out on Tuesday. It's going to post a week after, week and a half after that. Okay. Perfect. But it'll definitely be out there and I will post some links to it as well. That's awesome, man. But uh, for now, I just want to, uh, I want to say thank you very much for, Take some time to, to talk about records and God only knows what with me because that's where it goes. And <laughs> that's long format podcasting. You know, my the best interviews I've ever done, in my humble opinion, are the ones where I don't even do anything. I just walk. Like I, I had an interview with a band called Snafu out of Detroit, and this is still my favorite one. We just sat down and I said, here's how I do interviews. I hit record. I say, how's it going? Then we talk. That's, I, I I think that's the best way you can do it, man. I, I think. And I got out a... some cool stuff. Like I found out they were like uh, on that tour, they had to shoplift to make it by. I, so I don't feel like that's too uncommon. It <laughs> uh, probably isn't. And, <laughs> but they admitted it <laughs> and uh, they knew that was going in the interview and they didn't ask me to keep it out. So it went in. Very cool. But uh, Benjamin, thank you very much. Thank you for taking some time for me. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. And and if anybody is listening to this, I would appreciate if you could subscribe and rate and all that good stuff. And uh, there will be a tagline for the podcast later. Thank you. Bye.